Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. All right. Today's episode of The Real Deal On is brought to you by Guided Hypnotic Meditation. If you're feeling stressed out, full of challenged emotions where you can't sleep, can't rest, and feeling scattered in many ways, download your free guided hypnotic meditation from guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com. So I have to throw in our, uh, our sponsorship by me. <laughs> so it's an um, incredible, incredible friend and guest here. Um, I usually have a prepared intro and I'm going to do my best with the bullets that uh, this incredible man, because he's done so much, I got bullet points and I'm going to work on them. Gene McNaughton, 12 years from Gateway Computers, helped the company from a tiny computer manufacturer in South Dakota to over $11 billion in revenue. He served in multiple sales roles, a top performer at every role, of course. Executive sales leadership in the public and private sector. He built Gateway's sales training programs, and Gateway identified as one of the most successful sales forces in history. He was four years with Tony Robbins, the executive vice president of global sales. 11 sales teams broke 29-year stand, standing record sales record at least twice and became one of Tony's few opening speakers at events around the world. And that's where we got to meet was while you were, you were actually working in that position with Tony. And then you joined the world-famous Chet Holmes as president of his consulting firm. You paired Chet and Tony Robbins together to launch Ultimate Business Mastery System, which turned into a multi-million dollar coaching and consulting firm. And Gene was one of the few repeating keynote speakers around the world. I saw you speak, one of the first, uh, went to one of the first business masteries and saw you there. And that's, uh, you're awesome, amazing, amazing presenter. And today, you are president of Growth Smart Inc. and have consulted over 120 companies to massive growth. Growth Smart, growth smart in mid market enterprise, public and private sector consulting firm, you are crushing it. And you have had so many years as a speaker, trainer, coach, consultant in the ins and the outs of the industry. You've seen it all and you've been through it all recently, um, having to navigate some uh, crazy times. Um, you're welcome to share your journey because that's why we're here. We're here to talk about reinventing and how we deal with these incredible challenges that are thrown our way, whether they're self-imposed or not. So, Gene, thank you. I love you, brother, for coming on, and we are blessed to have you. Hey, I'm super grateful to be here, and Doug, have a ton of respect for you, a ton of respect for your audience. So, let's deliver a ton of value. If somebody's watching this or listening to this right now, it says a lot about you. First, first of all, the fact that you're investing in yourself mm. by listening to something, watching something, it puts you so much further ahead of the game because the number one investment any of us can make is in ourselves. And what's beautiful about podcasts like Doug's is 
you can listen to this while you're walking the dog. You can listen to this while you're driving or cleaning the house and get those little nuggets. Jim Rohn calls it bread for the head. Mm -hmm. That's what these are all about. So let's dive in, Doug. I want to add as much value as possible and um, hopefully provide some entertainment value as well. Absolutely. Well, you know, your brilliance is only exceeded by your passion and heart to, to help other people. So uh, absolutely, you know, privileged to know you. Um, a little quick short story. I don't know if you remember this. The reason why we originally communicated was um, I was trying to break out of the music industry into, well, sort of, but I started to get into um, an investment company. And uh, the person that I was uh, connected with had a company I wanted to take to Tony as a gift, as an, an investment opportunity. And through, I got through Milton, through Wesley, and finally get to you. And that's when we first started communicating. And then like a week later, uh, Tony was on QVC. And my phone rings, and it was, and I got I got on the call with him, and my phone rings, and that was you. You were checking. It was like, were you just on QVC with Tony? Talk. I don't know if you remember that, but it, I do now. Yeah, it was just one of those weird moments where I just called Tony to say thank you, as before I was working with him and met him and all that. And it was just so cool that you took the time. There's no reason for you to take that time to out of your day to just reach out to some random dude who was trying to get an investment opportunity to Tony that that spoke volumes about who you are as a human, as a man that you, you know, like, ah, let me just call Doug and be like, ah, that was pretty cool. Because hmm. I think most people would have just let that go and maybe had a moment like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, that was that weird dude who's been trying to get Tony to invest in this company, right? And, and then I remember seeing you at UPW and I had it and I was going to the platinum re like uh, registration. I'm like, I've got it. And you're like, ah, you probably don't want to give it to them right there. That, that You may get tackled. Right. <laughs> <laughs> See all those big security guards there? Yeah. The, yeah. Why don't you give it to me? I'll get it to them. Right. <laughs> oh, I, re I remember, Doug. And I remember when you were considering coming to work as a, what we call an FSR, a field mm -hmm. sales rep. Now, we got to go back to 2006, I believe, 2007. Yep. And that was an organization of, uh, mostly men. It was probably 80% men, 20% women. And their jobs were when Tony had a seminar in a city, they would go to that city three months in advance. We'd have telemarketers set appointments and they'd go into companies and do one hour trainings for free, like one hour breakthrough sessions. And it was heavily scripted. And, and the whole idea was we wanted to have a whole series of, of Tony Robbins juniors out into the business field and the, these, you know, you made a little bit of a base salary, but it was mostly commission. Mm -hmm. But we had a look and it was all buttoned up and it was sport coat and it was beautiful tie and everybody's yeah. in great shape. And then Doug, the rock and roller shows up. I remember you had rings on every yeah. finger. I think you had earrings in. Your hair was a lot longer and <laughs> kind of had that Jerry curl thing going on. And kind of coming back. It, it was a different flavor. But there was something about your, your personality and your energy and your focus. And going back to that phone call, one of the things that I, I tell people all the time, and I want everybody to get this, is that the next phone call you make could change your life, right? So make yeah. the call. You know how many, how many times people are reluctant to pick up the phone and make the call or reluctant to send the text, oh, what are they going to think? And maybe they're too busy for me, or maybe they're this, or may we make up all these stories in our head. And 
I, if I think of the biggest, you know, let's call it breakthroughs that I've had in my professional career, in my personal career, was, was when I just, I got by all the mind stuff that stopped me from doing something or the limiting beliefs or the fears and just made the phone call. And you did that for me. I made mm-hmm. the call back to you and we meet. Next thing you know, you're coming on board. You're going mm-hmm. through the trainings that, that I was doing, the speaker yep. training, influence, persuasion, hypnosis, and you go on to be a, a star performer. And for anybody that has the, the idea, the mindset that they want to be a professional speaker one day like Doug and you know, 20 to 30 other men and women that were there during my time, there is no better platform than going into three to five companies a day and giving a talk for an hour. And you know, the, the biggest challenge with that job is the immediate feedback. Now, you can give a great talk, but if you don't sell anything, you didn't hit right. the outcome. You can give an okay talk, but if you sell things, sell tickets in those days, and I'm sure it is today, mm-hmm. you hit the outcome. So this was a highly scripted word for word. If you remember the interview process, Doug, you mm-hmm. had, I think I gave you four pages of the script and you had to memorize that. And, and I'm yep. talking not get close, not get 90%, but it had to be 100%. You got one shot and you yep. did it. And it's not easy. Now I make the interview, pro- I made the interview and I do this in my current, everything I do now, I make the interview process exceptionally hard so it weeds out people who aren't willing to put the work in everything that that if you study success it it requires that discipline and dedication but I remember you came in and you flawlessly nailed the script I'm like let's give this guy a shot I said hey we're gonna be going into businesses you might want to lose the rings and the earrings and the let's cut your hair up a little bit (laughs) just we got we had to look the part Right. right because First impressions are everything. Yep. And if you're, if you're going out into your, your local rock and roll community, you're perfect. Mm-hmm. If you're going into a, in some cases, a stuffy business environment with sellers, marketers, customer service people that are put into a room, maybe they don't even want to be there to hear some quote unquote motivational guy from quote unquote Tony Robbins. Um, every bit of first impression matters. And you stepped into that role and, you know, hopefully you grew during that time. I mean, did oh you? my God, hundred um, percent. The, like you shared the three to five a day traveling, meeting new people and putting, really having to step up and put ourselves in um, potentially uncomfortable environments because we were in a groove on one thing. We were talking to real estate and then, well, you know, we, now we're going into a financial company or now we're going into a, an insurance or now we're just doing a customer service. And how do we connect with all the different mindsets? How do we, you know, the disc was such a powerful tool for us to go, yeah. oh, okay, cool. All right. So we can modify and, and calibrate. Um, I was already into NLP, but this is when I really had to apply it on myself first in order to manage, (laughs) you know, like having to rush to sometimes get to a place early enough or, you know, do the follow-ups and, you know, deal with the objections or the boss. Or I remember one time, you know, managing our state was the most important. And there was this one time where, you know, we give, uh, we had the the printed out um, introduction and uh, I had moved a uh, pedestal, like a, you know, one of the 
um, what do you call those things? The podium, podium. Podium, yeah, podium out of the way because I, I didn't use it. I just had the whiteboard and, and all of that. And the, the broker comes over and he grabs my notes. He wheels the whole podium back out in front, right where away from I moved it. And he takes this whole thing down and he's looking at it and he starts reading it. And then he goes, and here is Doug. (laughs) (laughs) And walks away. And like those times of things, having to utilize, having to be spontaneous, not be thrown off by those situations as a speaker, so powerful because so many times we don't get the perfect environment to speak in. And this was a great way to learn that. And then learning team, hanging out with you, learning from leaders and learning from the, the mindset. Oh, man, I, I would – so the best years of my life were, were in that environment. Well, you are literally going into the lion's den in many cases. Now, yep. for everybody to get the framework of this, we had telemarketers that would call into businesses in the city of which there was going to be an event. And this could have been a gym. It could have been a car dealership. Mortgage, title, finance, uh, network marketing, where, wherever we could get a group of, of at least 10 people in a room. And as a speaker, it's an entirely different situation when you get on a stage and people have paid money to be there. They volunteered their own time to be there and they're in their chair and they're happy to be there listening to you. In the, that job that Doug was in, In many cases, they had to be there because the boss made them be there. And the fact that they were in that room means they weren't doing their their job. Sellers felt like they were losing money. Customer service, you know, things were going to voicemail. They knew they were going to get packed up for being out for an hour. So it it, for anybody that wants to be a speaker out there and, and wants to dedicate two years of their life, go look into being an FSR for Tony Robbins. So just about every single person that we worked with, Doug, is now now has their own speaking company. Milton, yep. Roberto, Eli, Jason Cisneros. <coughs> because they they dedicated time to learning the craft, the science, and then there's the art. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. And- yeah, I was game changer, um, and I'm I'm so blessed to be part of that community. To you know, I mean, it's a small community. Like we all kind of know each other, and there's almost that there there's that nod of like acknowledgement if you're able to you know do that gig. You, you've got a a certain battleground test that you know many don't have that really equips us to be incredible communicators. And I I can't thank you enough for you know still you know staying in touch and sharing you know, like your journey, because you've been on, you know, it's about an exemplar of, you know, fortitude and pushing through and working with some of the best of the best and having your incredible programs, you've navigated some amazing stuff. Like we brought you in when, then I went to the treatment center, had you come in when you were with Chet with the BBI and the work you were doing there was incredible. Different, but equally as impactful and credible. Like how Education-based marketing, that's right. Yeah. So, like, share your journey in these new, basically, reinventions where you shifted. You have similar, you know, obviously some of the work is, some of the work is similar, but very different in a lot of ways. Well, I, I think the, the real key, if I had to nail it down to one thing, is, is understanding the power of modeling. And mm-hmm. in Tony's second book, Awaken the Giant Within, he's got a whole chapter dedicated to modeling the patterns 
in the habits of people that are doing things you want to do. When I was at Gateway Computers, when I was 24 years old and I started selling computers on the phones at night, after four months, um, I found out that hard work was just not getting the job done. I was still in the bottom quartile of all the sellers. I think there were about 50 people selling on the phones then. And that's when I was introduced to Tony's second book. And I'm like modeling because there were people around me in a, we were in a call center that were driving nice cars and making great money and selling three, four, five times than I was. And I'm like, why don't I just talk to them and understand what they're doing? <laughs> and fortunately for me, I had, I was single at the time. So I could work 12, 13, 14 hours and it was a fun company. It was awesome. But I, I took two PTO days, paid time off days. And instead of going to do something, I came into the building and I arranged to spend a half a day with four of the top performers. And I was, first thing I had to get over was my fear of them saying no if I asked mm. if I could. In those days, you could shadow them. You could sit in their cubicle and there was another jack you could plug the phone in and I could just listen to every conversation and watch how they orchestrated their, their files. Then there was no CRM. Watch how they talked to people and how they followed up and how they managed their list of people to call. And I took a, you know, a little bit from each person and then kind of built my own little, you know, three page highlight notes. And then I studied that every day and I went from bottom quartile and within three months I was in the top 10%. And in the fourth month I was number one on the floor. And that's to me was, you know, it was a lesson, not only did I read it with Tony, but my dad always talked about that in sports when I was in, you know, little league on, he says, well, go do what they're doing right? <laughs> like I, there'd be the kids are on the all-star yeah. team. And I'd be crying because I didn't make it. He goes, well, go, what are they doing? How are they practicing? What are, what are they doing when they're not on the field? How do they stretch out? How do they warm up? I carried that into sports was my thing in high school and college. And then it went to the business world. After I left Gateway, I did some pretty cool things at Gateway. And, and by the way, for, for a lot of you, one of the things we got to get is that when you know that you're in the right place at the right time, you know, the window of opportunity opens and Doug, you've heard me say this many times, mm -hmm. it opens and then it shuts. And if it opens and you're not ready to give it all and, and, and run through that and capitalize on that open window of opportunity, you're going to miss out. I fortunately capitalized on that. And I started heavily listening in the early days to Jim Rohn and Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, Tom Hopkins were the big ones. Then eventually like Wayne Dyer. And, mm -hmm. um, I was listening to stuff as I would drive into the office. I would listen to stuff when I was at the gym. I would, I would play the cassette tapes when I'd go to sleep. And I had read somewhere that if you listen to something while you sleep, your brain still hears it. And I don't know if that's scientifically proven, but I believed it. I, I still do it. Remember in the day when you could have a cassette tape and you could hit, uh, I don't know what, there was a button you could loop, hit. Yeah, it, 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 would, it, it would just tape. keep going, yeah. Yeah, it'd go, go to the other side. And then yep. when that would get done, it'd go to the front side. <laughs> and I started to find myself, the harder I worked on myself the in, self, in personal development, the better I got during the day on the job. And eventually they... Uh, I moved into a management role. I began to train all the new hires to teach them the things that I had learned to speed up the process because I was, I was paid a little bit of commission for their performance. And they said, can you build that for everybody? So I said, yeah, I've never been a trainer before. Um, then I went and took a public speaking course uh, with Zig Ziglar. You know, oh, wow, with Zig. Zig? Yep, with Zig. Wow. In Carrollton, Texas at his headquarters. 
And that's where, you know, there's a lot of people as it relates to, you know, I look at speaking like golf. There are many, many people that if you ask them if they golf and they, they say yes. And if you watch golf on TV, it looks super easy. You watch Tiger, you know, <laughs> yeah, look at the ball, test the wind, grab a club, hit the ball perfectly. It makes it look so darn easy. But when you get out there to play it, you may be able to swing a club and hit a ball, but it takes an ordinate amount of practice and technique and discipline to do it right. Yep. Speaking is the same way. I mean, the thousands of people that say, oh, yeah, public speaking is no problem. Great. Let me, let me watch you do it. And they're awful. <laughs> Right, just because they're more overt in their born nature, they have less fear of getting in front of people. It doesn't mean they know right. the techniques. <laughs> yeah, just because I'm not afraid control. to speak doesn't mean that I'm good at it. Well, but many people think they do. I know think they are. <laughs> but those are the ones that never make it to the stage or can't sell from stage, right? So, I I spent three years. All I did was after I learned, I, I had I had a selling process down that I knew worked. How to sell computers over the phone. Um, I I got public speaking training, and then I spent all day, five days a week, in front of small groups. You know, ten people, fifteen people mm -hmm. at a time, teaching the basics and the fundamentals of selling, and I loved it. So now I have the skill set. I learned from Zig how to eliminate the ums and the ahs, how to move your body, how to have good eye communication. I had good content and it was a perfect match. And then the company, when I talk about right place at the right time, the personal computer revolution exploded in the 90s. Mm -hmm. And we were growing like crazy. And here I am gung-ho, now I'm 26, 27. And we decided to open in Japan. We open in Ireland. We build multiple. So every one of those, like, okay, I, I'm in front of new audiences, speaking, training, speaking, training. I never in my life thought I was going to be a professional public speaker. I did, I, I did it because I loved it. Well, and on that note, there is a distinction oftentimes between speaking to sell and speaking to train. Mm -hmm. And how did you navigate that? Because those are two distinct hats. Even though they both involve speaking, the outcomes are different, the measurement is different, the call to action is different. So did, do you have a distinction that you could share or was it innate for you? Well, now, you know, if I fast forward from Gateway to today, I, I've seen more than most people, in, in, including... <coughs> oh yeah, sorry to skip it. I didn't mean to screw up your, no, your no, timeline. No, no, but, but including... You know, there are, there are speakers out there whose only design of their keynote is to sell. Mm. There's no value add in the conversation. And that's, that's just a, a conscious choice that I've made. When, when I get in front of an audience, and I think it's just from my background of, of being a teacher like I was at Gateway, you know, I looked at my job at Gateway as to constantly study the habits and the patterns of the top performers. And there were points where you know, we'd have 300 people in one call center, we'd have 200 in another, 150 in another. And, you know, because I'm, as you know, I'm so metric driven, we had metrics set up and I could see who was the best. And I would go interview them and study them to make sure that I'm, I'm understanding what's happening right now. So I can mm. pluck their best practices, put it in the training manual and teach others. And, you know, that company went from 50 million when I started to 11 billion at the, at the point that I exited right before 9-11. And then 9-11 had a significant negative impact on the business um, in terms of the economy and so forth. <clears throat> 
but speaking to sell and speaking to teach, you know, I, I follow a, a pattern of something right in the middle. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan and I'm not, I'm not judging it. I'm just saying I personally am not a fan of the speaker who gets up that, that, that adds no value and hard closes the entire time. It's just not right. my choice of recipe. I want to make sure that I, I touch and add value to every single person in that audience, regardless of the audience. Mm-hmm. And so, some would say that, you know, I, that it's not closing hard enough. Like Doug, you've seen, you've had people on your show that are some of the best stage closers in the world. Yep. And, I, you know, I think people that are, that have to rely on super hard closing, go now, go now, go now. Last time, two left. Yeah. Oh my God, it's amazing. You're going to change your life, Bob. Um, that's just not my flavor that I choose right. to endorse. Um, I have now seen it from, you know, being the president of the largest cons- uh, uh, event company in the world. I've seen, I've seen many, many, many folks that can sell a ton on the stage to our audience and cancellations are 50% or right. um, complaints are super high. So I've had a chance to see it all. And, you know, the path I choose is, is, is teach. And those that want more, those that have the financial wherewithal and are committed to investing in themselves, those are the people that I attract. Well, and, and I would I'll say that your stuff. influence on the Tony script is evident because that training, that, that presentation was definitely education-based with a call to action. Like uh, people would leave the, the, those trainings and be like, okay, that was cool. Like I, I had, and sometimes if you weren't careful, they got too much of a breakthrough during the presentation and didn't want to take the action because like, oh, you gave me so much to, to think about and work on now. Like I, I feel so great. So, and, and that's the temperament where, you know, that's the art where you can deliver enough education, enough motivation, enough inspiration but the inspiration is to take the action to continue rather than feel like there's enough to go, okay, I'm good. One thing about selling from stage is this, and this is, if you've never done it before over and over again, this is something that everybody's got to get is you are in the middle of a room or you're on a stage in front of 10 or a thousand or 5,000 people and you get immediate instantaneous feedback. I mean, you want to talk, people talk about, you got to put yourself out there. That is the ultimate yeah. in putting yourself out there. Because I, I, I'm sure you've been there, Doug. I've been there at points where you're doing, you've given great value. You're doing, a, okay, if you want to take the next step, then go to the back of the room or fill out the paperwork or do whatever. Um, it's usually one of those two and nobody moves, right? I mean, there's, there's no more humbling feeling oh, no. yeah. than that. And, and that becomes the chasm. Um, now, what the great ones do is they, 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 they have five closes. Right. Right. And then each close gets a little, you know what, for those that, you know, I still got 20 spots left. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut the price in half or I'm going to add another session. Or I'm going to add this or you're going to get a personal call with me or I'm going to give you this gift bag. The pros have this thing wired out. But, but going back to what I was saying is that if somebody wants to learn to sell from stage, I suggest that you study it and you practice just like anything else. Mm-hmm. There's the science of doing it. And, you know, what I witnessed, you know, probably 50 to 60 different speakers. And these are, you know, the, the Tony Robbins and the Damon Johns and the Kevin O'Leary's to, you know, several people that most people have never even heard of that are good speakers that can sell. 
That's, mm-hmm. that's the nature of that game. That game is let's put, let's hire Tony Robbins to come in and give his talk. And then right before Tony, we're going to put the greatest stage closer or the, the person that can convert the most right in front of him. That's, right. that's how that game works. You got to, mm-hmm. you got to pay for, you know, the venue, the stadium, the lights, the cameras, the everything. Well, such a, yeah, and that's such a great point. Like as we like unpack the hot dog a little bit is that there, you ever see those memes where it's like, this is what my mom thinks I do. This is what my friends think I do. This yeah. is what, right. And, and the, the speaking world has, and it was just like the music world, the entertainment industry, there's moments of absolute glamour and there's mostly a lot of non-glamorous stuff, whether it be speaking, like, you know, sometimes you do, you speak in front of 10 people and then the next day you could go speak in front of 500 or 5,000. It could happen in the same week at times. Yep. And it's such a, and that's that humbling experience as well, you know, or, or someone tells you, oh yeah, we're going to have, you know, 500 people in the room and then you get there and there's 40. You're like, okay, I, I based my travel plans on a room of 500 and my conversion is, you know, 10 to 20%. You know, you just basically, the amount of people I needed to sell, I have to do 100% now in order to make this worth it. Um, but that's an interesting thing because people don't understand how much effort it takes to put, the, put it all together in the first place. It, it's so true. I heard a saying that rang so true to me I can't remember who said it, but he said, um, I, I don't believe in trying to trick people when I'm on stage. He said, I'd rather win with winners right. than, you know, try to win with people that, you know, I have to try to overly convince to come and join the program. Those are like in the, in the business to business world, you know, I've consulted 159 companies now. Um, and that these are six months or longer relationships. I look back and study it. The, the ones that I had to work the hardest to say yes became the most difficult yep. customers. They demanded more. They were never satisfied. It was just a pain in the rear end. And it, you know, over time you start to get perspective. And I realized that, you know, those that want the stuff that I have will show up. Mm-hmm. Now you got to market, you got to do social media, you got to get on stage, you got to do a lot of you know, free talks, paid talks, whatever, or get in front of the right audience that has your ideal buyers in it. But um, I think it was Gary Vee said, I, I, I want to win with winners. I don't want to try to trick losers is what he said. I'm not saying yeah. that. Mm-hmm. The point being is that you can, you can ethically and profitably sell from stage if you study the craft and there's science and art. Mm-hmm. Um, I see so many people get up there that, that don't have notes. They don't have a, a plan to talk. Now, if you go back to your days with Tony Robbins, Doug, you had a, I don't know what it was, 20 some page, 20 mm-hmm. some odd page script. And there was no option for you to vary off of the script. And it was wired down to the minute, like 52 minutes because it had to yeah. save some time for Q and a and wrap up and all that stuff. And I could see it in the numbers when somebody would be performing well, then their numbers would dip. I'd say, okay, do a recording of your talk, send it to me. We'd watch the recording and yep, there's that person. They got off, they got off the, 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 the script mm-hmm. and they got long on their story or they embedded some other uh, things they had learned because they read a book from, you know, whoever or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the best of the best. You know, I, I, I had a, the luxury of being, a, you know, behind the scenes with Tony Robbins for many, many years. And you would think this guy that has been, you know, 
living a public life, being a, a professional, you know, let's call it speaker. You know, he's far more than that, as you know. Yeah. You would think that he didn't have to read notes. And I would watch his preparation to give the same talk that I'd seen him give 50 times that to the point where I could almost give at least a portion of the talk and he is studying. He's got his team around him. They're going through his timelines. They're mm -hmm. going through, okay, at this stage, you're going to introduce this piece and these slides are going to go up. Never in my life seen somebody prepare as much as he does. I mean, he's the best in the world for a reason. It's not because of some God-given talent. He's the best in the oh. world, just like the, the greatest golfers are, just like the greatest fighters are because of their um, maniacal studying of the craft and their maniacal preparation to be excellent every single time they show up. Yeah, I remember uh, there was a, a section that Tony was adding a, a, like a new piece to, to, UP, you know, to UPW. And Scotty was like, he was up all night practicing this like 45 minute edition that he has that he, you know, it's like, this was, he doesn't, it's not like he makes it up as he goes. This was like, he worked it. Like he did not sleep last night for that 45 minute piece. Yep. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy because he makes it look so easy. Everyone thinks that it's just natural talent and it's natural talent from working at it. You know, I think, I think what nature gives, you know, some of the most impactful people in our lives, past and present, is a passion. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I've, I've seen Tony you know, after uh, speaking for 14 hours, his voice is gone, his, his body, he's in pain, his back, his, his legs, he's got body workers, he's got chiropractors. And, and you know, I've, I watched him, we had a period where there were like, he was, he, was, he was either traveling or speaking for like three weeks in a row. And as everybody knows, you know, one plane ride can, can kind of work your back off a little bit. But when you're you know, flying 14 hours to get to a place, there's no time for, um, you know, to make up for the lost sleep and so forth. And he goes, and he was just spent and he still had three more hours the last day of Unleash the Power Within. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to do it. He couldn't even, he couldn't even vocalize. His voice was so torched. Wow. And I watched him get some body work done. It was like a 90 minute break for dinner the third night. Mm-hmm. And come out and, and, and find the strength and find the energy inside through his routines, right? Everything he does before he goes on yeah. and go deliver maybe the very best three hours. And I've seen that. I've seen, I saw 26 Unleash the Power of Thins. I had to be at all of them, right? Yeah. As the leader of sales. And uh, watched him do that. And there's, a, there's an innate passion. But I think the biggest lesson for anybody listening to this and watching this is that if, if, you, if you have a chosen path, if you have a calling inside of you and you're willing to do the work and right. remember that you don't have to go make this up from scratch. You can, you can talk to people that have done it, Doug, or a lot of people, his names he's mentioned and they have podcasts and they got videos and they got YouTube channels, but you watch what people that are making a living off of, let's call it public speaking uh, of selling it you do if you do the right work in the right order and you do it often enough, then the right things will happen for you. Hundred percent. And have you carried that with you through that that same mindset when you pivot? Is that where your head goes? Is like what I'm hearing and and what I've applied as well as modeling 
and then doing the work, finding, like, are you looking more at, because I know you're a numbers guy, how, I know you have so much personal development work anyway with the natural mindset, but are you also, when you're looking at those people succeeding, are you looking at their mindset and what is their belief system around it? What are their um, models of the world around their success? I am. And 10 years ago, the, the way that we could understand this was by reading their books. Right. Or maybe buying their program or there was a little bit of stuff on YouTube. That was just 10 years ago. Yeah. It was 2010, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And the beauty of what we have today in podcasts like we're doing right now is you get to hear what's going on currently right. in their mind. Whether it's, I like to listen to uh, Gary V. I mm-hmm. listen to Tony's podcast. I listen to a guy that I happen to personally know, but I'm a big fan of his work. His name is Satema Gali, G-A-L-I. He was a former pro football player, made a ton of money, lost all the money. He's a great father figure. He's a great husband. So I, I can pick you know, who I want to listen to and when I want to listen to it, and I can do it right there in my car. Yeah, it's and I love with modern podcasts is that it's no secret. This is, this is so old, but it's so true is that you become the people that you're around the most. Yep. And I consider when I'm listening to a podcast and it's just me in my car driving, I, I, I kind of visualize myself just sitting there like listening Adding. to this yeah, person. Yeah. And it, it's the bread for the head. It, 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 the more of this stuff you're listening to, you, you hear the repeated mindsets. You hear in their words and in their, the, the volume and their inflection and pace, the dedication to the craft. I, I love Gary Vee's work on, on marketing and social media. I love Satema's work on just pure living a, what he calls a five-star life, your body, your relationship, your business, your money, your spirituality. I love listening. Kevin O'Leary's got a great podcast that he does. And it's all, every bit of it is accessible to everybody watching this right now on their phone. You don't have to be in your office. You don't have to drive somewhere. You don't have to even pay money. And to me, that has been the saving grace. And I know when I'm, when I'm rocking in life and business, it's always coincidental. That's when I'm at, I'm listening to stuff or I'm watching stuff on video or I've, I've bought a program and, and started to do the program. And I know that when I get off, uh, off, off, center off track is when I haven't been doing that. Strange coincidence there. (laughs) But but as I say this out loud, it's like, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. So what do you see? I mean, obviously technology has changed uh, the delivery. Um, You know, when COVID and this whole thing happened, um, there was a lot of, you know, it was almost like at some point, you know, you were president of, you know, major seminar organization. There were seminars going on all the time, Tony and all this. And then all of a sudden everything stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, you know, people who here, we are doing, you know, the podcasting and zoom and all that. Where do you, what did you do? How do you see the future and how did all this impact, you know, you in the, the, the holistic scheme? because you have so much to offer, you were on such a pace and then breaks. Like what's next? How do you, 
how do you navigate your way through all of this personally and professionally? Because the personal drives the professional. Well, Doug, if you think about it, you and I were at what probably was the very last seminar <laughs> done in the United States, right? So yeah. we were in Orlando. Um, we were there for six days. Yep. The seminar would start at nine in the morning. That means I'd have to get there by eight, which means up by seven. And we wouldn't get back to our room until 10 o'clock. This is all right. when co the COVID crisis was going down in the news. Well, we were in a resort in Orlando yeah. <laughs> and kind of oblivious to what was going on. Maybe a few minutes of watching the news on a break or at night. And at that time it was still like, ah, that this isn't real. This isn't real. And, you know, I had been for a year and a half on a, on a feverish pace running the largest seminar company in the United States. And, you know, I was the, I ran it for the Americas and then I was part of the senior council for the global company, which to give you a frame of reference, that company did uh, 520 seminars last year, 520 somewhere you know, oh. in the world. There was a seminar going on. It's all more than one a day. It's insane. It, it is. It's, it's, it is literally like if you really try to fathom that. No, I didn't have to run everything outside of the United States or other people, but even in the U.S., we did over 40 seminars. That's a lot. Yeah. In some cases, we'd have two going concurrently, maybe one in Chicago, one in L.A., and, you know, all of that's under my purview as, the, as the, the president of that company. And I was going at a, at a feverish pitch. Now, there's pace. I mean, now I loved what I was doing because we were impacting thousands and thousands and thousands of lives in a positive way. But there's also the business side of it. So, my partners were in, one was in Singapore, one was in Australia. As you know, time zones are different. So mm -hmm. if I, we were going to do calls, they would usually start at eight, nine or 10 o'clock my time PM. Right. And then the America's business, because of, you know, I'm on the West coast and the East coast, I would be on calls as early as six in the morning. So literally going at a feverish pace and between Jennifer and I, we have seven kids. So I had a year and a half of what I would say beyond full unhealthy, full tilt. There was just so much you know, one seminar's on track and the trainer's sick or one seminar's missing. We got to pour more money into the social media, right? Whatever. It was just, and then March, let's just say March 20th ish, it all stopped. I went from 80, 90 hours a week, legit. I mean, you were at the same seminar I was at yep. and I, I have to and be working there. before and after. Yeah. So the seminar goes from nine in the morning till nine 30 at night. Well, I still got the hour, hour and a half debrief and I've got a, the morning to prep and make sure everything's yeah. there and check in with everybody and talk to the students and so forth. Um, so I had a year and a half of that and it was, it was challenging. It, it was very hard to maintain balance of health. You know, where do you figure out exercise? And when you're starving and the, you, you know, the only food available is in a vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> or if you haven't eaten all day and it's 1030 at night and you're looking at the room service menu going salad or cheeseburger, <laughs> water or, you know, milkshake. Right. Um, so finding the balance in that was challenging. And then, you know, one week later, everything was shut off. Now we jumped right into doing virtual summits. Yep. Um, I think you were probably on some of those. And yeah. you know, the, the beauty of that business is that I had been able to form good relationships with you know, some, some stars. Mm -hmm. And I leaned on them. I said, look, nobody can go anywhere. I know you're not going anywhere. We're going to do an all-day uh, Zoom call 
like to have you come on and speak for 30 minutes about, you know, what, what are you doing and what are you thinking? That's what I would ask everybody. And man, we had John Asaraf and Jay Abraham. We had Gene Simmons. Mm-hmm. We had um, uh, founders of companies, founders of Priceline.com, the founder of Ugg Boots. We had Greg Reed. I mean, it was phenomenal what we did. And we didn't do it so that we could make sales. We did it because it was the right thing to do. So what we had was at Success Resources, a big database. I had direct access to some, you know, very famous people. And we started doing those webinars. Then, you know, that, that kept us busy for about two and a half weeks. And at that stage, nobody knew if there was going to be a seminar in May. We were just looking at moving events in May. And it's like, yep, we're not doing May. What about June? We're not going to do June, right? Because it, it, we were just figuring it out. Because we're trying to, we're trying to watch yeah. what the heck's going on here, and this COVID thing becomes giant and real. The media gets a hold of it. So, I had a little bit of a, I don't know if you want to call it postpartum, where I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah, I, I, I went from having zero free time to having to only <laughs> free time. And we shocking, were, we were like it, it is a trauma. It, it literally, I mean, the trauma yeah. doesn't have to be necessarily a bad thing, but it is a radical shift in what you are experiencing. So yeah, your body, your mind, everything goes, whoa, what just happened? Yeah, yeah, what just happened? And we had, um, I had my 17-year-old daughter and, and Jennifer here, and um, they got into cooking. Like, okay, well, we can't go anywhere, but we can go to the grocery food. store. So, so we went from you know, maybe three or four times a month of having a, let's call it a home cooked meal, like what most of us grew up with to every single night. And that, because there was nothing else to do, they became these elaborate, they, you know, even if we <laughs> were event. having burgers, it, it was elaborate, yeah. whatever we got to go get whatever we could do. Um, and then, then they got into making dessert, <laughs> cake, pie, <laughs> brownies, you name it. It was out of control. Now, we were like loving life. Uh, I, I didn't shave. I mean, it was just, you know, we have a swimming pool here. So, we'd sit by the pool. We'd listen to music. I'd burn firewood. Yeah. And, um, but you pack a month of that, <laughs> of, of every day. I'm not talking it was once. Right. It was every day. We had nothing else to do. Um, I didn't even think about getting on the scale. And I was wearing only... You know, when you turn over, you get over 50 and you just move, move to like sweatpants or shorts, <laughs> back weight on comfort and not clothes really and comfort food. Feel the, yeah, feel the impact. And I put on, I remember just, I got on the scale and I'm like, holy shit. Um, but I, I, I joke about, we, the, you know, we call it the COVID-19, but for me it was 19 pounds. I mean, it just, yeah. it, when I was running so hard and then I wasn't at all and packing on insane levels of calories and only wearing sweatpants, do the math. <laughs> and uh, I, got, I got on the scale and I'm like, oh my God, it was bad. So the last three weeks have been, we've been heavily focused on, on fitness. And I'm not talking about gyms. I'm talking about getting outside and moving, creating mm-hmm. new um, things we could do around exercise. Jennifer and I bought a Frisbee and started throwing the Frisbee at the park. I know that sounds lame, but no, that's right. Bringing it back. That's awesome. Be surprised at how good of a sweat you can work up when you're having fun chasing a darn Frisbee. Yeah. And, um, I'm happy to say now I've, I've got 10 of the 
COVID-19 off and I got another nine to go. Awesome. Um, experimented with some supplements and doing some things around supplements and just getting back into the group. But yeah, there was a little bit of a, I felt lost. Yeah. When we, we did the webinar series and, and, and people have to remember is that when you're doing a big scale webinar, it, it, it's not free. When, when you've got a market, you got to send emails, you've, social media. I mean, we're, we had some that, you know, 800, 900, 1,000 people on one Zoom call. Um, we never broke 1,000. We only had 1,000 available on our, our uh, subscription. But there is, there's cost to that and there's mm-hmm. effort. You don't just post it once on Facebook and, you know, expect 500 people well, to yeah, show up. post it and they market. will come. You got to email. You got to, and, and that's, that all comes at a price, right? Um, then the decision from our, our home office was, um, this was not, while we were doing the right thing for the marketplace, we were providing real-time information. I had a, um, a PPP, the, uh, was it paycheck protection program. I had those mm-hmm. kind of experts on for our small businesses. I brought on, um, CEOs that could do, you know, just what are they doing with their company? But um, the decision was made that we weren't going to do that anymore. Then it was like, what do I do now? And I just literally chilled and got big. Uh, <laughs> um, and now it's, it's in a pivot. It's, it's in a, okay, what's, what's next? If the seminars are not going to come back, which, you know, there may be, there, it may happen and it may not happen this year. Right? Yeah. If you would ask me a month ago, it, it was a different answer than now. Now it's saying, ooh, there might be a chance here. Well, Disney's opening, right? So we're, we're going up. We're going to see what that's like. Tony, according to sources, uh, is doing UPW. We're starting to do networking, live networking events next week. Um, we have a limit of 50 people at them. Uh, I've gone to a good friend of mine that I speak at his RIAs and all of his programs. He's holding his RIAs, and those are, again, social distanced, and I'm noticing now people typing in like live event. Would you go? Yes or no? And interesting. And you know these people going a lot of people, and I'm one of them going. Hell yeah, I'm going. Like I'm. I want to book one. Like, and it's actually one of the things that you know offline that I like to talk to you about is what what it would look like to put together an event and be kind of at the forefront of doing something, nothing crazy, but again, serving. The people need the support. They need the, the, the opportunity. They need to be in a place where it's more than being stuck into a Zoom meeting. We, we need to have... Agree. You know, the, that inter- and, and I'm a breakthrough guy too. Like, you know, I'm not going to steal Tony's firewalk, but I do firewalks. I do glass walks. I do fire eating. It's really hard to do those over Zoom. <laughs> yeah. Move the fire. Move it. No, no. Yeah, you're yeah. <laughs> Well, here's what I'd say is one thing we got to accept is that each state is different. Different, right. Exactly. So in California, it's been said in the past that there will be no sports activities in all of California. Well, how does that affect the NBA football, college football? Yeah, the team's going to move out. Going to college period. Yeah. Um, And those things are changing on a regular basis. So staying on top of it is important. The second thing is, for example, Jennifer and I are going to the dentist today. And we had to fill out paperwork yesterday online around COVID. There was a special form with 10 questions on COVID. Have you been in contact? Have you been in a place? Do you know anybody that has? So forth. So there's protocols. Now, the event business, I predict, is going to be very similar. 
Yeah. Right. Cause it, I don't, I don't, I don't, I wear a mask everywhere I go, grocery stores and whatever, the hardware store, mm -hmm. Home Depot, whatever. But I wear glasses, as you can see. And when I wear a mask, my glasses fog up and it's hard to breathe. So yeah. it's, you know, we, I, I went to a restaurant for the first time on Saturday night. We met oh, some how friends. Oh, how's that? Um, that nice? it, yeah, but we had to wear, as you walk through the restaurant, you couldn't get in unless you had a mask. And then once oh. you sat at your table, you could take your mask off and have a normal conversation. So the, there, there are these accommodations that are taking place. And here's the biggest thing we all have to think about is we will really know a lot in not this weekend, but the next weekend. So we had all the, the riots and the um, peaceful marching and a lot of those people were there with shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. If there is not a major outbreak then I think uh, many, many things will change. Um, but if there is, you know, I, 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 I feel for our political leaders because whatever decision they make, what's that? They're in a pickle. Well, whatever decision they make, um, half of the country is going to say, I told you so. Mm -hmm. Half of the country is going to say, I told you so. Yeah, they make the decision Can't to open and the virus spreads. People, I told you so, you ruined everything. Uh, they make the decision to open up and the virus doesn't spread. The, the other side's going to say, I told you so, right? <laughs> You're on Facebook. You see the, yeah. the oh, it's, it's people bizarre. pro and con and so forth. There's still people that believe this is a hoax and that it's Democrat, Republican, but it's, um, there's no major win that comes out of this. The only major win that comes out of this is how fast we go back to operating our lives as normal. And there's some that are saying that we'll never operate our lives as normal. Doug, think about it. February, the stock market was ready to break 30,000. We had less than 3% unemployment. Everybody's doing well. Uh, just about everybody's doing mm -hmm. well. I mean, the 3% that were unemployed, to, in my opinion, just they just didn't want to work. Almost voluntary, yeah. There were more jobs than there were people. You know, you right. rewind the clock 10, 20 years ago, there'd be 20 applicants for one job. Right. Right? Yep. Now there's, you know, in February, there were three jobs for every applicant. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. So we'll see what, how things, you know, change. But being in the live event space, I mean, that's, that's critical. You know, keynote, keynote speeches that I had already booked and deposits down and everything's yeah. on hold. Now things are changing, like literally by the day changing. But in the meantime, what can we all do? Um, use this power of social media. Right. Right. Start and your own podcast. Start your own video series. I've gotten heavy on YouTube. I took a YouTube course and I'm, you know, YouTube is far more than uploading video. Oh my gosh, it's so right? deep, yeah. It is unbelievable. So I paid a little bit of money. I took a course to learn keywords and headlines and subtitles and how to look at the, um, the, the data of how things are performing, um, how to turn those into you know, the basis of a funnel. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm learning that. I, I never spent that much time on YouTube. I mean, gosh, here's the other thing that, that, that I'm, it's in my brain. It's like, like if I, if I want to get active on social, let's think about this. You've got YouTube, mm -hmm. you got email and text, right? Which, you know, I do, I do email. I don't do group text or anything, but 
our, my other company did. You got email and text and you've got Facebook and, and many people have, I have a business Facebook, I have a personal Facebook. Um, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, make sure you're on TikTok, YouTube. So if I have a good piece of content, um, there's a lot of work that goes into getting that out into the it's public. It's a full-time job. Yeah, and podcast, which yeah, it's is on my agenda to start my own podcast. And it's like, that's, but, but if you watch the greats, every one of the greats is on all those channels. Now, right. maybe they have people that are doing the work for them or they've hired yeah. a firm, but for the, the smaller players, um, and maybe I just need to suck it up and do that, but um, it's a lot. But just, right now- Just one platform is a lot. And then you, you throw in, because they all have different ecosystems. They all have different etiquette. They all have different strategies. And, you know, it's hard to manage all of them by yourself. It's definitely you need to leverage and get some experts in because uh, it's overwhelming. Because there's a Facebook expert, there's a YouTube expert, there's an Instagram expert, the TikTok expert, right? They, because they all have individual mindsets, Oh, and they're, they're all marketing to you too on your social right, media. Right, of course, you, yeah. You will die if you don't have your own maximized YouTube channel or yep. you're missing the boat. I, I can get you, you know, the, some of this, you know, and you got you to gotta really do your due diligence as you, if you pick one and you want to go to the course, um, really, there's a lot of imposters out there and then there's, you know, 10% that are really, really, really great at what they do. Yep. And um, that's how I chose the the YouTube group that I joined and, and I'm getting a little bit more active and um, but yeah, going back to the going from 80, 90 hours a week to what, what do I do with myself right now? And I, you know, for a month I watched Netflix, I ate more food than what a normal human should eat. Um, now I'm on the other side and yep. pivoting into, you know, kind of that, that, that uh, Satemic Ali calls it a five-star life, you know, rate yourself on a scale of one star, terrible, five stars. You're crushing it in the five areas, body, physicality, relationship, family, career, money, and spirituality. There's six. I think yeah. I got two of them intermixed. Um, but diving into that to you know, try to be the best that I can be and get back that momentum. I just felt like I was, I don't, I'm the only person, but I just kind of felt like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I think, well, I don't believe you're alone. I think we all went through that because I think it's a, a, a bit of grief because we had some momentum going. We had some hopes and dreams. You know, why, why I was up there, I was looking to do, you know, some work with you and I was really excited about it and to be yep. around great people. And at that same time, that following week, I was supposed to be in Houston learning another program to, to start connecting and, and put myself in these great environments with amazing people. And then all of a sudden that all goes and everyone goes, wait, that, now what? Now what? Yep. And, and, when we looked for answers, we got conflicting reports. So then we're like, oh, you know, depending again, it's not political, but one side, you damned if you do, damned if you don't. And then you go, well, I don't know what to do because even like asking the questions, like what should I do now? It's like, how dare you ask what you should be doing right now? You should just sit down and do nothing. I'm like, well, yeah, but that's not in my nature and I don't see how that's going to help. So what do we do now And the purpose of, of this show? And, and again, I thank you so much for being here is to show what, what some leaders are doing. What are people doing that are getting results? And you've shared, you've gotten represented. 
personal responsibility, focus on your physical health, right? If we're, if we're unhealthy physically and COVID does come back, we're worse off. It's a great point. Right. Well, I, I just kind of look at it like, like I was looking through some pictures and, you know, I had the good fortune of being around, you know, some of the best in the world from Grant Cardone, Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi, um, all of the sharks from Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. And I was just browsing through the pictures. And the one thing I noticed is every one of those people are in radically good shape. And, and the, like the ones I saw of Cardone, I was just showing Jennifer. I'm like, look at the, like the veins in his arm. I mean, he is like, like ripped enough that at 60 years old, he can wear a pair of skinny jeans and a t-shirt on a stage in front of 6,000 people and feel confident. That's, <laughs> that's, that's good. Yeah. And no doubt these are busy folks. And, you know, some may love or not love Grant Cardone, but, you know, I've gotten to know the guy and he really is a good man. He's a good husband. He's a good father. He, he's a little bit over the top marketing wise, but he, he's built a good business. Ty Lopez, same thing. I met him. And first thing I noticed was that they all wear those tight t-shirts and there's very little fat on their body. And I'm mm-hmm. like, those guys, I mean, no, not like assessing who's busier than other ones, but I know they're damn busy, but they find time to get their workouts in. They fight, you know, they're not, they're not, you know, double cheeseburger milkshaking at 1030 at night in a hotel room. Right. There's no way they couldn't look like that. Yep. And, um, I, I started, I just started, this is just coming out right now, but I just kept saying, you know, what's my excuse? Why am I not in rip and shape? Right. It was discipline. It was lack of discipline. Mm-hmm. Now that that's in the past right. and I can get on the right track. Just like anybody listening to this or watching this, you can get on the right track starting now. Right. And then you can start looking a little bit further out. I love this idea of saying, you know, I'll ask you, Doug, like 100 days, if you could rewind the clock to 100 days ago, which would have been, let's just say that would have been the end of February. Mm -hmm. Everybody's crushing it, right? Your schedule's probably, you got trips already on the books, you got trainings you're doing, you're thinking of new ones. Um, the, the money that you had is growing. If you had it anywhere in the market, it was doing well. Mm-hmm. It, most likely the, the opportunities were everywhere. And if, if you could rewind the clock, knowing what you know now, would you have made different decisions in February? Knowing what would have happened? Yeah. That, that was coming? Um, yeah, we probably, yeah. would have done some things different to prepare. Or, or even if somebody said, look, I know for a fact that we're going to go into this unbelievable life-changing circumstance. And let's say you had money in the market. Let's say that you had trips on the books. Let's say you were putting money somewhere or not, or, or uh, you were practicing healthy habits or unhealthy habits. But if you would have known what was going to happen in a in 100 days ago, you would have made some different decisions. Right. Yeah. Right? Of course. Now, the truth is, a hundred days from now, we're all going to show up somewhere. Let's right. just say a hundred days from now, June, July, August. Let's just say that's going to be uh, October 1st. Like, like it's hard. I mean, can you fathom what Christmas is going to be like right now? Thanksgiving. I, it, no, and we're planning. Uh, we always go to New York. That's our, our, every year we go to New York for Christmas. Okay. Well, it's kind of. For the first time in your 40-some year, I don't know how old you are, yeah. but it's like I, I can't think that far ahead, but I can think in terms of 100 days. Right. 
like just change, changing the framework. Like I'm a big believer in, um, you know, we most, most people will, will tend to overestimate what they can do in, in 30 days, but they radically underestimate what they can do over the course of a year. And I've just shortened it to a hundred days to say a hundred days from now, it's October 1st. What do I want to look like? What do I want to be doing? Uh, what's my money situation? What's my relationship situation? What's my home situation? My parenting situation? So what, what everybody can do upon hearing this is start saying, okay, I'm going to look at 100 days out. Because there's going to be, there's some unknown things are going to happen. Yeah. Flip of a coin things. It's either going to be, uh, we're in tremendous lockdown in July because COVID came back like some are predicting or it's, it's business as usual. We can go into any restaurant in any store. Wearing a mask is optional. Um, it's hard to say. You know, Saturday, I, we forgot something. I had to run, in, run to the store. I forgot a mask. I'm like, I'll just, run, I'll just run into Target real quick. I look around. I'm the only person in the entire place without a mask. I felt like an ass. <laughs> Did anyone <laughs> say anything to you? No, nobody said anything to me, but I got some looks. And I'm like, yeah. totally get it. I'm just going to grab this thing and get out of here. Um, it's a different world, right? Yeah. Right? Well, um, I, you know, it's interesting. Here we have, it's, we have little pockets of that. We don't, mo- lot, most people are not wearing masks as, and definitely not as much. And there are some pockets that are like, you know, mask, you know, no entry, no, no mask, no entry. But other places are like, yeah, we recommend it. You walk in and everybody's just, you know, kind of hanging. Um, um, there's, are, most of the convenience stores are no mask, no service. Yeah. That's been the big, no, I'm in California, right? It's a little right, bit yeah. different than each state is its own thing. Exactly. But my point is, is that what can people do is I know when I have a goal, this is my own life habits. When I have clear goals and I'm doing things on a daily basis to take me in the direction of that goal, such as I have a, a weight goal I want to get to, a physical fitness goal I want to get to. And the COVID-19 in weight was real for me. I put on 19 pounds. Now, some of it started like prior to Orlando in March when it just, you know, I'm, I, when you go to an event and there's a buffet for breakfast and there's a buffet for lunch, <laughs> there's a buffet for dinner yeah. and you're tired and you're on your feet and, you know, I'm not just, eating salad and carrot sticks. I can promise you that. And there's dessert and there's soup and there's bread. You know, I started putting on weight from my, you know, my, my best, my favorite, my best weight. It, and, and then COVID, um, just laying around being sedentary, you know, eating food, drinking soda, (laughs) milkshakes. I mean, it was just like this free for all, but now I'm on the other side. So, Hundred days from now, um, what what do you want out of your life? Uh, and look at all the areas. Yeah. And what are the things you can do every day? And I'm not talking moving mountains every day. I'm talking about small disciplines. Jim Rohn says, you know, you're going to pay the price of discipline. Is it the the pain of regret or the pain right. of change? But you can pay it incrementally. Right. And that could be everything from building an audience to starting your YouTube channel to doing your own podcast. Yeah. You're doing right here. Um, you can be doing a lot of things incrementally right now that lead you towards what it is you want to have. But without a doubt, getting clear on where you want to be in a hundred days. I, I just, I can't, I don't, is there even going to be football this fall? I'm a big football fan. Will there be yeah. playoff baseball? Like October is my favorite month of the year because 
you got playoff baseball and you got football getting going and you got college football. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a Mecca. So it's, it's great right now. However, I can control what I do every day. And that's so powerful. Around. Yeah. The small goals to be focusing on that. So we don't feel that overwhelm of, and focusing on all the problems and all the challenges as well. What can I do? What, you know, the serenity prayer, right? What, what can I do right now with things I can control and there's things I can't. So let me just work well, on the, the wisdom to know the difference, know right? The difference. <laughs> right. And the, the truth is, is that you and I control what food we put in our bodies, what we, you know, what we watch on television, what we put on, what podcast we listen to, when we go for a walk, if we exercise, if we pray, meditate, all of those things, these are all personal choices. And it boils down to that goal and personal responsibility uh, from what I'm gathering from, from your wisdom to our ears. I'm going to be very interested to understand what happens in the recovery world that in uh, July, crazy. August, and September. It's already hitting it. You know, and I, you know, it's funny. I, I was talking to a friend and um, we had him on the show and he was talking about COVID and, and all this stuff. And, and, I, and he was in the PR thing. And I said, look, Tom, I, you know, I, I get why everyone's focusing on that and, and the fear behind it. But, you know, here's the truth. Since this has happened, my wife, Heidi and I got deathly concerned about the recovery community, the mental health community, and all of that. And here's what we have experienced. No one we know has died from COVID, and very few people have had it. But here's what I do know. Yesterday, one of our friends and past clients killed themselves. Many of our past clients and all that have overdosed. And we've seen multiple deaths from overdose and suicide and relapses aplenty. And Nobody's talking about it. Well, it, it's the perfect bad storm. Right. So somebody that was contemplating that, that they had a problem, somebody yeah. that knew they had a problem was starting to take action, attend AA meetings. Maybe oh, see they stopped that. Um, go to a detox. So anybody that was on the fringe or was brand new, the perfect bad storm, which is, Oh, well, you don't have to go into an office every day. <laughs> you don't have to talk on the phone. As you know, Doug, addiction is a very um, lonely and isolating situation. It's a disease. And alone. I know that yeah. too. I'm not saying I don't and you do. I'm, right, I, yeah. I've been there. Yep. And there's nothing better, especially I can just speak for an alcoholic, than, than to just be alone and not be with anybody and just no accountability. live in your disease because you can't really when you're in the middle of it, you don't really get, you don't, you, you just don't pay attention to the negative health effects that, you know, alcoholism and drug addiction causes. So we've had, let's say, um, April, May. So we've had two months of where it's perfectly okay. It's recommended that you're quarantined. And the liquor stores are all open. Can't the liquor to stores, church, but you can go, you can't go to the AA meeting, but you can go get the booze. That is correct. Yeah. I'll, I'll speak. I've only been in, I haven't left California, but that is correct. Yep. And, and you're not supposed to be around any, I mean, to have the discipline to move from uh, an active addict to a clean life sobriety um, required part of the, the idea is get around other people that are fighting the same fight, get counsel from people that have, have fought the fight and are, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, of clean life. And I've gotten on a couple of Zooms because they're, they're doing meetings via Zoom. Mm -hmm. 
uh, to share my story and to share um, clean life and how where I was to where I am. And, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit my own past challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel for those people. And I think that um, you're right. It, it has not been talked about anywhere. And I got to believe it's a bubbling storm that's happening. It's just not in the public's eye right now. It's starting to a little bit, you know, and, and I know like or hate Trump, he, he's brought it up since the beginning. He's, he's always had that as a concern of his. Um, but I have some friends in the recovery world, Jennifer Jimenez and Tim Ryan and Darren Prince and some of these, you know, like recovery advocates who are now finally starting to be invited onto some uh, media environments to share and to offer advice because I think maybe they're realizing that this is a need. Um, but it's, yeah, no, it's going to be very interesting in the next few months to see how that all, you know, turns out for people. And I'm, you know, we're, we're there. I have a friend that, that lives in a different state and he's, he was a sales guy that would have to go into the office every day and then go out and see clients come back to the office. Well, that office is shut down and all he has to do is be on a zoom call at eight 30 in the morning mm-hmm. and randomly at the end of the day. And up until two weeks ago, couldn't go out and see clients. It was a face-to-face, go out and meet people right. and sell things, um, high-end stuff. Um, and he was just before going, he had just, he went that, that same weekend we were in Orlando, he went to detox. Mm. And I'm like, this is not going to be good. Like, like he went and got cleaned up for five days, came back to staying at home. <sighs> yeah. Right. Then the liquor stores are open and, you know, everything's closed down. I'm like, there's no way he, he does not have a fighting chance. And I was right. Yep. I now, um, and I talk to him every day, just, you know, it's part of our job, right. Yeah. To mm-hmm. help others. Um, he got on the, like, I thought he was going to get fired. Cause you know, if you're, if you're up drinking all night and try to show up for an eight thirty zoom and you got to see somebody's face and it's pasty and it's puffy and you know what the yeah. aftermath mm-hmm. effects of a binge drinking um, but so far so good. He's alive and he kept good. his job. So, but it's just a, it, it's a, it's a, it's a bad, perfect storm for people in recovery or considering recovery or know they have a problem. So, well, and, um, and mental health for people who are prone to anxiety and depression, this is, you know, creating, you know, such a perfect environment for that too. You know, it's, it's nuts. And well, that's, that's why hopefully we can continue to be the light and, and help people see what's possible. Um, I, I would love to talk longer. I, I have a call in, in uh, five minutes. Um, is there any last words? I mean, thank you so much. Is there any last words, any way that we could get in touch with you? Anything that um, you're excited about that you can let people know about right now for you? Well, I'm, I'm super, a couple things. One is, is we, we use this time to relaunch our, my consulting company's website. It's growthsmart.com, growthsmart.com. Um, go check it out. And uh, we got a ton of free tools, free resources, everything from sales scripts to marketing tips to um, if you're a salesforce.com user, we've got free tutorials on there. Um, We are really proud of that. And if you've ever built like a modern day website that's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages so people can get stuff they want, um, it's been about a year long effort, but everything got accelerated in um, April. 
and we were able to apply our time and just get things written. And it's, it's still a work in progress, but it's so first class. And then if uh, I have a best-selling book, if you want to get a free chapter of my book, go to thesalesedge.co, not .com. I couldn't buy .com. It was taken. Thesalesedge.co and grab a free chapter of my book. It's, my, it's the best chapter in the book on how to run the perfect first meeting. If you're in sales, you know what I mean? When you're sitting yeah. down with somebody, you've done all the work to get them to that uh, Zoom call, that free um, interview, whatever it is you do at the very beginning. Mm -hmm. But most people have never really studied how to run the perfect first meeting. What's the format? What's the scheme? What are right. the questions you ask? What are the questions you don't ask? What's the right order? So go grab that. Those are all free things. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, I'll put those in the, uh, the text boxes as well. And uh, thank you so much, brother. I love you for who you are and who you aren't. And I look forward to more rock with you, brother, for sure. Hey, that, that was a fast half hour. I, that's 90 minutes. Woo. Why did we say it was going to be a half hour? I said it was going to be an hour and a half. Oh, okay. Good, 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 good. <laughs> I, I, missed, I missed the hour and a half. No, I love it. This is great. I mean, listen, if you're still listening at this point and you know, Doug's a great resource. I'm a great resource. And you know, you know what you find in life? Here's what I'll close with is that we all have people in our lives that come and go. Mm -hmm. And about 95% of, and this is no science to this, is just my off the cuff. 95% of people come and go, even if you have a good micro relationship, you worked on a project together, you worked at a company together for a short time. And then there are about three to 5% of people that for some reason stick in your life. And you may go a year without talking to them, but then when you do talk to them, it's just like you never skipped a beat. Mm -hmm. That's you and me, Doug. Yeah, for sure. And I want to encourage you to think of those people in your life and, and really accept that, that why did those people stick in your life? Now, if I look at me and Doug, values, beliefs, we can disagree and still be friends. I like what he's about. Uh, he does things that I want to emulate. Uh, he shows up. You know, if you think about the people in your life, not the ones you have to be around, like your family and all mm -hmm. that stuff. I'm talking about the people in your life of the 95% that come and go and the 5% that stick. What is it that causes them to stick for you? And that's where you can start to see your kind of your value chain. Now, mm. I do want to remind everybody, it is so true that when you get around people that are achieving at high levels and you really get around them, I'm talking about really reading their stuff or watching them on social media or uh, even if it's your neighbors, people you're around. But if you're getting around people that are playing the game at a higher level often enough, you will find yourself playing at a higher level. Yep. If you get around people playing at a lower level, you're going to find yourself playing at a lower level. So pay attention to that. I know it, you've heard it a million times. You become the sum of the five people you're around the most. It's true. Ooh, 100%. It's oh true. Gosh. Some of these things we roll our eyes at. Oh, you got to have a goal and your attitude determines your altitude. It's true. It's all true. Yeah. It, it wouldn't Napoleon be Hill so known it. if it wasn't. It's in the Bible. Yes. Uh, if, you're, if you're struggling with anything, the, 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 the rules, the, the, what AA teaches, it works if you work it. That's uh, the key. The success formula works if you work it. Yep. Losing weight, getting a fit body, managing your money better works if you do it. 
right? And, and yeah, so the work that we do as well, besides teaching those plans, is also how to get into the right mindset, how to get into the right state, how to have the right beliefs, the right values to consistently work what works. Doug, the last thing I'll say, I know you got to wrap, is yeah. there is no shortage of how to do anything. It's every, everything is here on Google yeah. or YouTube, everything. Where the shortage is, is the reasons. Right. The why, the mindset. That's why Tony says success is 80% psychology, 20% skill. Yep. It, it took a while for that to sink in. And I'm like, it's so true. Yep. So listen, watch, buy the program, spend some money, buy the $99 thing and test it out. And if you like it, then buy the $1,000. I don't even know what you sell, Doug. Yep. Um, that's been my road. Beautiful, brother. Man, I appreciate you so much. And if there's anything I could do for you, please, uh, me resources, Suru resources. And uh, God bless you, brother. We'll see you very soon. Later, buddy. All right, later. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.